Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Well, hi, everyone. Gary D. McGugan is back today to talk with us about his latest novel, Contention. It's another amazing story of intrigue focusing on a power struggle between a mob boss and her financial genius lover, which puts the CEO of a major corporation in their crosshairs. And that's like the very most basic summary. I'll let Gary tell you more about it. But before we get started, let's get the inside scoop on the author. Gary D. McGugan loves to tell stories and is the author of Three Weeks Less a Day, The Multima Scheme, Unrelenting Peril, Pernicious Pursuit, and award-winning novels A Web of Deceit and A Slippery Shadow. After a 40-year career at senior levels of multinational corporations, Gary's writing uses artful suspense to entertain and inform. His launch of a new writing career at an age most people retire reveals an ongoing zest for new challenges and a lifelong pursuit of knowledge. Home is near Toronto, but Gary thinks of himself as a true citizen of the world, and his passion for travel and his broad experience are evident in every chapter. You can learn more about Gary McGugan and his work at GaryDMcGuganBooks.com. Well, hi, Gary. Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live. Well, thank you for having me back, Sherry. It's always a pleasure to share some thoughts with you, and I appreciate an opportunity to chat a little bit about contention. Yeah, it's so good to have you back. I feel like I've been on this journey with a small part with you, because I remember, you know, talking about your first novel with you, Three Weeks Less a Day. So it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about contention. What is it all about? And what sparked the idea for this story in the latest installment of your series? Well, two of my uh, major characters in contention are involved in organized crime. Fidelia Morales is the kingpin of a nefarious outfit I call The Organization. And a fellow by the name of Howard Knight is her financial genius and a part-time lover. In the first chapter of Contention, we learn that Howard has decided he wants out of the relationship with Fidelia and out of the organization. Now, uh, followers of organized crime know it's tough for anyone to leave a criminal gang. So <laughs> in our first few pages, we create Contention. Now, readers of other books in my series might recall that uh, Howard Knight has had the itch to separate from Fidelia on a couple occasions. Uh, so they were probably not too surprised when he announced his intentions, but I think few probably expected he'd want to start a new corporate espionage business and in the Caribbean to boot. <laughs> right. Now, I became inspired to use Aruba in one of my stories after I spent a few months there in 2022. Mm. Aruba is a wonderful Caribbean island uh, just off the coast of Venezuela. And people there speculate quite openly about the CIA spying on that rogue country from Aruba. Oh. And uh, as I walked about the island for my daily exercise, my imagination already started creating scenes and scenarios that eventually worked their way into contention. Oh, I love that. I love that. The CIA is spying on them. It sounds amazing. I can't wait to dig into it a little bit. Yeah, I guess I want to talk first about what your characters are up to. 
You know, the thing about Fidelia that really grabbed me in this novel is her ruthlessness. And is she as tough as she seems? Or is it mostly a front she just puts on? Well, Fidelia Morales uh, grew up in the uh, poorer neighborhoods of San Juan and Puerto Rico. And she learned to play survival roles from her earliest childhood. Mm. Then she went on to master new personas as she progressed through law school in New York. Uh, She had a frustrating stint as a corporate attorney. She became a high-priced prostitute, and then she became the global leader of an escort business. Each time, she adapted a new persona to do that. And when she seized the opportunity to become the kinkpin of an organized crime outfit, Again, she adapted her persona, again, to behave like the crime lord who had influenced her the most, and that was Giancarlo Moreno. So I think it's difficult to separate her public persona from the role she needs to play to survive, and I think that makes it real to her. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's somewhat of a chameleon then. She's able to just adapt to her circumstances and I guess that is that how she manages to stay on top? Because it's, I mean, when you think criminal underworld, you think, you know, male domination. So it's quite impressive that she's managed to stay on top for so long. (laughs) It is, it is. And you're suggesting that she has a certain resilience there. And I would say that's true, but I don't think that characteristic that she has in such great measure actually serves her particularly well. Despite her enormous wealth and influence, uh, Fidelia's ruthless manner becomes, yes, her strongest asset in dealing with macho criminals, uh, but it's also her greatest handicap to achieving happiness and satisfaction in in life. So it becomes a a dual-edged sword, and in contention, her ruthless manner really creates upheaval for her in multiple scenes, even when she apparently emerges as a winner. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I was <laughs> I was shocked by some of the things that she pulls in contention. So it's it's well I don't want to I'm not gonna give anything away, so but it's just she just really surprised me. <laughs> she is yeah. a very tough woman. She is, she is. It it makes me wonder, you know, how would she even look for happiness or how does one in her situation seemingly having everything, how does what is happiness to her, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm not sure that she would even know where to go to try to find happiness. Yeah, yeah. Now, on the other side, we have Suzanne Simpson. I would say Fidelia's equal, but on the other side of the law, the legal side of the law. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. So, but Suzanne Simpson is uh, just, she's really just a, a standout CEO. I mean, she knows how to play the game. She usually comes out on top. Uh, she's just very focused and very good at what she does. Are most of her energies kind of focused on keeping her corporate empire stable? Or, you know, does she have some other ambitions that kind of make her a wild card? Like, is there something else going on with Suzanne? Well, that's a very interesting question. Suzanne Simpson, of course, as you suggest, is the head of Multima Corporation. And uh, uh, it's one of the largest companies in the world in my story. And and she is the largest individual shareholder. Mm-hmm. Now, I can tell you, Suzanne never sought her outsized influence or wealth. It was handed to her. 
But uh, she embraced that CEO role and dedicated her life to making Maltima Corporation bigger, stronger, and more profitable for its shareholders, uh, including herself, of course. And in contention, we do see Suzanne think and act on issues more related to broader American society for the first time. And we didn't see that in any of the previous six novels. And I think readers might reasonably wonder if this signals some future direction for her, but I'm not going to share any particular secrets here. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be a clue, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And unlike Fidelia, you know, we do see kind of a personal and business side of Suzanne's different aspects of her personality come out in each novel. So it was interesting to see her more personal side of her in this novel. But, mm-hmm. it, you know, but it made me wonder, will readers see a more kind of, you know, multifaceted side to Fidelia? Or as we kind of talked about just a little bit ago, is there really only one side to her? Well, that's, that's a very good question. I think for me, it's hard to imagine Fidelia breaking a lifelong pattern of that sort of personal adaptation toward more power, more influence. Uh, but one never knows. Could there be a future uh, life-altering event that shapes her outlook so dramatically that she shifts direction? Eh, perhaps. Yeah. Characters tend to, to teeter on the line between good and bad, and sometimes they flip, you know, so who knows? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I think everyone would agree that it would have to be something fairly dramatic in the case of Fidelia. Exactly. Right. Let's talk about Howard a little bit. He's my favorite bad guy. And well, he's just my favorite guy, period. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I love his personality. It seems like he kind of reminds me of someone like everyone has a Howard in their life. (laughs) I don't know why, uh, because he's not a typical character at all but there's just something really personable about him but he's making some pretty consequential decisions in contention what is going on in his mind as he does contemplate walking away from Fidelia well I think you're not alone in in liking Howard as a sort of a favorite character Uh, I and and I think he is like a lot of folks that we could encounter in our own lives because even though the, the guy is a genius, he, he makes mistakes. Yeah. And uh, I think the, that human aspect to him uh, uh, sort of endears him to all of us. Mm-hmm. Now, with uh, Fidelia, um, he faces continuous turmoil in his relationship with her. Uh, their relationship's a, a long one, but far more complicated than most. But at the heart of Howard's unease is the organized crime outfit that she runs. While we see Fidelia drawn increasingly towards the opiate of power and wealth and influence, Howard grew increasingly uncomfortable with violence, human trafficking, and even the treatment of people like useful prey for money and power. Mm -hmm. As he thinks about leaving, Howard has a real struggle because he constantly has to balance his desire for freedom with the reality that Fidelia ultimately could end his life in just an instant. So that reality instills pervasive caution and fear, and that offsets any relief or freedom that uh, space between them might create. Yeah, it's a delicate dance. He's, he's absolutely stepping. Yeah. And I feel for him for sure, because we were talking <laughs> earlier about there's, there's usually only one way out of the organization. 
Well, he certainly gives me lots of uh, opportunity to increase drama in the story. He sure does. He sure does. So all of your characters kind of face some contention in your book. Which one faces the most significant moral or ethical dilemmas in the story? Well, Howard and Fidelia are, are surely involved in both conflict and, and a struggle. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But they focus exclusively on their personal interests. And really, they don't have any consideration for the values most of us embrace. Mm. Suzanne, on the other hand, uh, she carries the weight of her CEO role and uh, all the responsibilities that that job entails. Uh, She's always aware her actions and decisions are subject to scrutiny by colleagues and the media and your board of directors. So in that sense, uh, in this story, I think she had to take the biggest risks and question the morality or ethics of uh, her intentions or her decisions uh, more than once in contention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had some challenges, more challenging than anything she's seen thus far, I think, in your series. Right. And I think in part because at one point in the story, organized crime takes on a, a special significance for her. And uh, this is where I alluded earlier to some of her interest in issues of more of interest to society in general, rather than just the Maltima Corporation. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, of course, is one of the ways that in the story we build the suspense around, uh, will she actually be able to continue in her current role and in Maltima Corporation? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's hard talking about the book without giving anything away. We're dancing around the story, kind of. <laughs> yep, we are. Oh. Well, uh, you know, all of your novels weave uh, moral, ethical, legal, social issues into the plot. How do you decide which topics to focus on? And I, I guess more specifically to contention, how did you choose corporate espionage as one of the central themes? Well, it really happened by accident. Uh, <laughs> While I was uh, putting the finishing touches on uh, novel number six, uh, A Slippery Shadow, in 2022, a longtime friend of mine from Los Angeles contacted me and invited me to a virtual meeting with someone actively involved in corporate espionage. Uh, Now, this friend of mine uh, loves my stories, and he thought the subject could complement some of the other illegal activities that the organization were involved with. Yeah. So I joined the meeting. We had a conversation. And from listening to his guest and, and reading a couple of other books, I uh, learned a lot about how corporate espionage might work and gained some insight into some of the approaches that these people are, are currently using. I think readers will find that information quite interesting. Yeah. How interesting to be on a call like that, too. Yeah. <laughs> So what did you learn that surprised you the most? Well, talking with the corporate spy, I was actually quite intrigued to learn how easy it is for them to get the information. Mm -hmm. Most of us think that it requires a high degree of sophistication, technology, and, and lots of you know, other bits and pieces. But quite frankly, much of the information they gain is in the most simple ways. And that was a very interesting revelation for me. 
after spending so much time myself in the corporate world. Yeah. How easy it is. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Makes you think. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, Gary, you talked a little bit about Aruba in the beginning and you're an avid traveler, uh, a world traveler and often draw inspiration from the places you visit. What typically comes first with you or, or maybe there's not a what comes first scenario, but do you get a, an idea for a story and then you're scheduling your getaway or do you go on your getaway and then you get an idea for a story or how does all that come together? Well, the getting away, I think I've shared with you previously, um, I'm not a fan of Canadian winters. <laughs> so the getaway to somewhere warm is going to happen regardless of whether I have a story in mind or I'm working on one or not. Okay. And it happens this year that um, I did have the opportunity to visit Aruba in 2022. And while I was there, decided that I would come back again in 2023. And actually, a good chunk of contention was written while I was on the island of uh, Curacao this year. Mm. So in this case, it worked out well. But I draw on memories from lots of different places that I've been. I think I'm up to about 65 countries now. So wow. um, for me, the main thing is to tell the story. And then uh, we'll find the setting that seems to fit most appropriately with the story. And uh, I was just very lucky this uh, last one, Contention, fit very well with both Aruba and Curacao, where I had some recent experiences. Yeah, on-site experience. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, if listeners, if you follow Gary online while he's, that's when you do a, a good portion of your writing or editing is during the Canadian winters when you're someplace warm. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so listeners, what I was kind of getting to, if you do follow Gary on, on social media, or if you don't, you need to, when he's writing and, and on his travels, because he shares some beautiful photos of the places he visits. Glad you enjoy them. <laughs> So what role does the Caribbean setting play in the storytelling of contention? Well, I think many people would equate the Caribbean islands with uh, cruises or all-inclusive resorts or weekend getaways. As I was just mentioning to you, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of the winter, so I live there. And uh, when I'm living in the Caribbean, I rent apartments or small houses in neighborhoods where I can interact with people who live there all the time. And uh, surprisingly, increasingly, I'm encountering more people like me, people who forsake our, our native climates, wherever they may be, to do things we do in a, a nice, pleasant, warm environment. Mm -hmm. Now, some of those things, like writing, uh, are perfectly legal. Um, other day-to-day -day activities may not be. <laughs> the, most Caribbean islands are truly international, with uh, characters living there from all parts of the globe. And I think contention shows a few different ways those with money and power might do their business in the Caribbean, whether it's legal or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. I just love the authenticity that your travels bring to your work and being able to tell stories like this. It's just really, really fun experience. And for me as a writer. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. You know, kind of looking back at your first book, uh, Three Weeks Less a Day, and, and now at Contention, how do you feel your writing style has evolved? 
My writing style, well, I'll say candidly that I enjoy three weeks less a day. Uh, my first novel, as much today as I did when uh, when I first wrote it several years ago, and it appeared on the store shelves and, and on Amazon. But I also take pride in the style improvements I've made with each novel. I use far more dialogue now. I strive to uh, touch readers' emotions with every chapter. Mm -hmm. And I believe we all must embrace continuous learning. So I strive to learn and adapt new techniques and, and methods with each new story. So I, I don't think there's any doubt that my style has changed. And of course, I'd like to think that it's improved. But I've retained my goal of writing for busy people. Each novel is still about 100,000 words with about 300 pages and 70 chapters. Mm. Um, I realize that many people find it difficult to set aside large blocks of time to read. So I want my readers to feel completely comfortable reading as little or as much as their busy schedule permits. And as my writing journey carries on, I, I intend to continue learning from reading, from uh, listening and watching other writers and by experimenting with uh, new ideas as an approach to writing myself. Yeah. One of the things I love about your writing style is that you manage to include enough background information to accommodate your new readers without making the story redundant for your longtime fans. How is that an easy thing to do or how do you how do you go about that? No, it's always a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, as I write, I constantly resist the temptation to provide background because it's just so easy to have it work its way into the story. Right. So I'm consciously trying to stay on the lookout for avoiding the backstory as much as I can. I have a great editing team and, and they are ruthless as well. So mm. when I'm slowing down a story with too much detail, uh, I listen to my editors and chop it out as they suggest. But um, on the other hand, if they're asking for background to better understand the context, I try to find a way to work in some details with the fewest words possible. And it's a delicate balance, but I do want each of my stories to stand alone. And I think it's essential to spend whatever time is necessary to achieve that delicate balance. Yeah, yeah. Well, you do an amazing job with that. Well, thank you. Now, you've got quite an amazing series on your hands. What's the lasting impression you hope to leave with your readers? Like, what do you want them to walk away thinking or feeling after reading your novels? Well, when I sit down to write a story, I always have one goal, and that's to entertain. I try to keep my books priced to compare favorably with a ticket to a theater and to watch a movie. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm mindful that my stories need to bring good value to my readers. And I hope they'll be satisfied that all my stories provided some good entertainment at a, at a reasonable price. But I'm also mindful that every story holds some lessons for those thinking about the messages I convey whether it's uh, corporate behavior uh, or to good and bad life experiences that touch uh, many ways of our society functions, um, I try to leave readers with something they can think critically about to form their, their own values and opinions. Mm -hmm. And uh, I try to do that without a soapbox or microphone to amplify any particular view. <laughs> you know, we were talking about the background information. I was thinking about new fans and new readers and just wanted to let you know that I, I got my mother started on the series. 
I just bought her three weeks less a day. And so she's reading that now uh, because she wanted to start with contention. And I said, oh, no, you have to start with this book. <laughs> and so and so, yes, while you can read all of your books standalone, I, I just highly recommend get the full experience. It's just I think that would make an amazing difference on your journey. But anyway, she's reading it now and she's loving it. So you have another Wonderful. new fan. So <laughs> Wonderful. Glad, delighted to hear that. And I think you gave her good advice. It, it's always best to start at the beginning. So let's talk a little bit about how to find those new fans. Now, marketing is often seen as a challenging aspect of an author's journey, but you at least appear to embrace it. Uh, can you share what makes this part of the process enjoyable for you? Well, from our previous uh, conversation, I can tell that you do follow me on social media. So you are aware that uh, this is the time of the year when uh, many readers will find me in bookstores promoting my titles. As a marketing tool, I have found that the in-store personal promotions are the most effective way for me to talk about my books and meet new readers and talk with existing readers again and so on. And I enjoy meeting readers and prospective readers. I enjoy talking about my stories and sharing life experiences. And I genuinely enjoy meeting new people, even if it's just for a moment or two. So with my promotional events, I try to make each personal encounter memorable, enjoyable, and fun. Mm -hmm. You've found something that works for you. And I think all authors kind of just have to to find something that works for them. I would say that would make it easier, but you know, I guess it's just different for everybody. Yeah. Exactly. The one lesson that I learned very early in my writing experience was that there is no one single solution that works for everyone. We each have to find our comfort zone and uh, we need to uh, keep exploring new options. But typically, I think every writer will eventually find a, a comfort zone that works best for them. Yeah. Now, there have been a couple of hints throughout the interview that um, there might be another book in the series or that will continue. What can we expect next? Well, um, three weeks ago, I could have answered that question with conviction and confidence, even <laughs> if I didn't reveal much. <laughs> but uh, like many other writers, when I actually started to work diligently on the next phase, whole new avenues and directions surfaced up. Oh, wow. Uh, today, I'm working my way through this sort of new multitude of options to determine which direction seems most promising. So I think this is one of those times that I must ask readers to just trust my judgment and stay tuned to see where things might go next. Uh, it may take me a few more months, but uh, I think I can assure everyone that uh, I'll do my best to make the next steps with these irascible characters uh, more entertaining than the mischief they've already created. Okay, so no, no guarantees, no, no sense, no don't plans. Yeah. No more hints, no. No, nothing. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Gary, it feels like we've covered a lot of ground today. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, only from my perspective, I, I thank you again for the opportunity to have a chat with you and your listeners. And um, I think you do a wonderful job helping to uh, promote independent and uh, small publishers and uh, really appreciate all you do for the industry. Well, we love what we do, so it makes it easy. Well, Gary, thank you so much for visiting the show again and getting us all caught up on you and your latest work. 
Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today for my interview with Gary D. McGugan about his latest novel, Contention. You can learn more about Gary and all of his books at GaryDMcGooganBooks.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com.